Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 163 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm Rick Verbanis, and I'm your host for this series, and I am joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That would be Mr. Bob Lucius. Some call him Mob. <laughs> oh, Bob. Oh. oh, the war is common cry. Pick up the swords and fly. The sky is filled with good and bad that mortals never know. Oh, well, the night is long. The beads of time pass slow. Tired eyes on the sunrise, waiting for the eastern glow. The pain of war cannot exceed the woe of aftermath. The drums will shake the castle wall. The ringwraiths ride in black, ride on. I have I have no idea what you are waxing poetic about, Rick. Is that some sort of drinking song in Valhalla, <laughs> or what is that? It's close. It is very close, Bob. Yeah. It is a song. It it may have very well to do with Valhalla. It is Led Zeppelin's "The Battle of Evermore." Well, there you go. I would not have guessed that. Uh, are you not not a Led Zeppelin fan? I, I'm not. I have not a big Led Zeppelin fan. I have not listened okay. to a lot of. Led how about Zeppelin. how about a, a Led Zeppelin fan? Are you that? Because I didn't say it right the first time. <laughs> I, I, I I'm very much into uh, to Zeppelins. Are um, you? Yeah, but not Led ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, they just the, drop more of the floaty kinds. I got gotcha. the floaty gotcha. kinds that don't burst into flames. Those are Pref I, I prefer preferably. those. Yeah, yeah, preferably. yeah. Uh, right? Yeah, good taste you have. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. So, Battle of Evermore. I I wanted to go with uh, something to do with with the afterlife, with battles, mm -hmm. with even a mention of a castle. Uh, I thought it was uh, very timely for what we're covering today, Bob. Indeed, indeed, it is. And we've been on a we've been on a supernatural tear, right? Well, we had the the writer of the uh, Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos on the right. show. Yeah, and then after Stephanie Phillips on, we we had uh, Tales of Suspense sixty nine uh, through seventy one, right? Which talked about uh, Graymore Castle, and then. And then, then we did Cap 256, which did the ghosts of Graymore Castle. Then we did Cap 601, which had vampires in it. And then last episode, we did the wives, which was scary. Yeah, that was so, scary for me. So was, yeah. Yeah, we've been on a we've been on a run. Yeah. And so here we are now, and we're gonna do the Captain America, the Ghost Army graphic novel. I think is is this technically the first graphic novel that we've done? I think so. I yeah. do. I do think so. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm holding my copy here. It is, it was um, uh, published, you know, obviously through Marvel, but also Scholastic. And it is a, you know, square bound book uh, went with 1499, uh, 1999 here in Canada. And, you know, yeah, this is uh, this is a this is a graphic novel. It's an all ages graphic novel, probably more towards the uh, upper middle school. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, perhaps maybe you know beginning of high school, but um, but all ages can enjoy this book. Yeah. And and or so fifty year old men, exactly, yeah, exactly. And so we uh, 
we were like, yeah, it's about, you know, let's, let's stick with the theme and, and cover this. Now it is rather lengthy, Bob. It has, um, over a hundred and like, I want to say like 70 pages to it. Um, so we're going to do, we're going to split this up. We're going to do part one. Uh, we're going to cover the first half of the book this episode, and we'll do part two next episode. And then if anyone was listening to last episode, Bob let the cat out of the I bag. Did. Yeah. And we're going to actually have. And then following episode, we're going to have the creators on the show and talk to them about this. So uh, so buckle up, uh, ghost fans, because um, this is a very fun story and we're we're excited to get into it. I'm excited. Yeah, this has been on the bookshelf for a while and I read it when it first came out, but I was glad to pick it up again and uh, and dive back into it again. And, and I'm glad I did because uh, I picked up a few additional tidbits that I didn't see the first time around. So, yeah, well, did you now? All right, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Bob, before we get into this, uh, what's what's anything going on with you? What's going on? Well, I'm still recovering from, from the wives show. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I thought it went, I, 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 I got out of that relatively unscathed. So, uh, happy about that. Um, so I'm sorry, I, Bob, was there anything like, uh, I accidentally mentioned that did not go over well, sort of like, uh, well, Rick sells things, Bob. <laughs> No, no, it, 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 I did get by relatively unscathed. I was, okay. I was concerned that the whole, I still owe her $1,500 that I promised her, you know, uh, on that comic, the uh -huh. last big investment that I bought. And I said, ah, I've got 1500 already right. saved. I just need the other 1500. She was going to call me out on that one, but she, she let it slide. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Well, she, yeah. you know what? And, and, and if she didn't, we, we did hear her on the air say something to the effect of, and I know I'm not going to see that again. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That you know? is true. Yes. Right. So we could have, we could have always held that held her to that. All right. Well, good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. And I didn't, I hope I didn't, you know, I didn't let any cats out of any bags or anything or anything. Oh, for me. Yeah. No, everything no. was good. Right. Yeah. No, 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 good. no. Megan was charming. I don't know why she was so nervous. You know, she was so nervous about coming on the show, but she was a hoot. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh it was it was fun um she was nervous as all get out uh which is fine i mean obviously you know i mean uh <laughs> i'm i guess i'm the talker in the family but i'm already on the hunt for my next big pickup rick so are you really yeah now that i have 1500 in the bank yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you had a schedule now so yeah yeah just gotta keep looking Oh, so Bob, you know, we were so uh, excited to have our wives on last episode. We didn't get into creator birthdays. And that was a big faux pas because, um, you know, here it is November 22nd. And so last week on the 17th birthday was Ed Brubaker. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's an, that's a big overlook right there. Yeah. yeah. And you know what else? November 20th was one of his colleagues, Mike Perkins. Oh my gosh. Friend of the show. He's been yeah. on the episode twice. I know. Great guy. Great guy. Totally great guy. Super yeah. uh, wonderful gentleman. Yeah. Uh, we All love great. We love Mike. All right. Today's birthday, Bob, November 22nd, 22nd. We have two 
people. One, uh, not anything to do with Captain America, but I figure it's just worth noting. That'd be Charles M. Schultz. Of course. Okay. Yes. The Peanuts. He did, he did the X-Men. Yeah. No, peanuts, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? But right. also today's birthday, another friend of the show, someone who's been on the episode, Roy Thomas. Oh, Roy. happy birthday, Roy. Yeah, happy birthday, Roy. Yeah, Roy was great. Roy was great. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and if anybody wants to check out our uh, amazing conversation with Roy Thomas, he gets into stuff going on in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, uh, you know, as writer as editor uh check out episode 125 that was a great conversation yeah he even talked a little bit about his golden age memories yeah 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 true uh and then mike perkins we had on uh episode 130 was the was the last time we had him on uh and then we had him on early uh in our series episode 23 so um anyway Happy birthday to to those gentlemen. And then coming up this week, uh, a couple other notable uh, comic creators, uh, Pat, Bro- Pat, Pat Broderick and Carl Potts both have a birthday on November 26th. So You're related happy... to Pepper Potts? I'm not I don't think so. Carl. No? no? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, Carl Potts was like a writer, editor. Okay. Yeah. I always like that name, Potts. I guess I only like it because of the Marvel movies, but it's always grown on me. I like the you, way I, I you like the grow way Tony, pot. I like the way Tony Stark's uh, dad said it. Didn't he say that because when Tony Stark, you know, I hate to get into the MCU, but when he went back to the seventies, you know, when he met his uh-huh. dad and he, he took pots as his last name, you know, cause he had to like quickly come up with a name. And I, I always liked the way that uh, he said it. Anyway, I'm just rambling now, but uh <laughs> yeah yeah no carl uh carl uh is uh turning 71 um but he's he, he's been writer editor um also uh penciler inker he's he's wow. he's done it all he's done it all yes and then for gosh uh not a whole lot for captain america necessarily but um, he was involved a, a long time uh, with the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a lot with the Punisher. So, you know, in the uh, in the in the Marines, I don't know if they have it in uh, in the other services, but there's sort of a, a hierarchy. It's usually among infantry guys. Uh-huh. So, if you've got like your you know your parachute wings and your uh, you know your jump wings and your uh, say your scuba badge, you know you're like mm-hmm. double trouble. Right. And then you add on, maybe you got, you know, another, another, I can't remember what the other ones are now, your recon badge. Right. And then mm-hmm. you're, you're like a triple threat. And then if you're, if you get the additional one, which is who knows, I don't, can't remember what it is now. It's so long ago. You were like a quad, a quadster. They should do that for comic creators. Okay. Right. You right. know, if you're a penciler, then you're, you know, okay. But if you pencil and ink, you're a, you're double trouble. Right. If you pencil, oh, ink, yeah. right. You're, you're a triple threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like Potts is uh, he's a quadster. All right, well let's go well. with that. Yeah. All right. Well, happy birthday to all of them. All right, I I think I think it's time to get into the Ghost Army Part One, Bob. What do you think? Let's do it. Yeah. So this is written by Alan Gratz, who is uh, the number one New York Times bestselling author of nineteen 
novels and graphic novels for young readers. So th these include Two Degrees, Ground Zero, Refugee, Allies, Prisoner B3087, and Ban This Book. And then uh, Brent Schoonover, he's the illustrator, and he's he's done a lot of different other types of illustrate illustrations, but he also is a comic book artist. He's worked on such titles as uh, Astonishing Ant-Man. He did the Generations Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel one-shot. Uh, he did do Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then uh, for DC, he did Batman 66, which is from, from the TV series. Uh, so, you know, he's he's been around for a, a little while, too. And then um, other uh, people who have contributed to this book, also illustrating uh, Matt Horak and Alvaro Lopez. Um, now, the colorist is Sarah Stern. And letters, you want to take a guess here, Bob? Oh, uh, boy, this is a tough one. But could it be somebody from D.C.? Yeah, Joe Caramanga. Joe Caramanga. Talk He's about everywhere. What is he? Is he a quadster as well? He, uh, well, he's he's a double trouble, right? Didn't he? Uh... He also writes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's widely known as a letterer, but he also yeah. writes. Yeah. Um, one of these days, right. we got to get him on the show yeah, too. Yeah, that would be great. Um, so this this came out in early January of 2023, and uh, would you like to hear the solicitation synopsis? I sure would. In this thrilling historical adventure. 18-year-old Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, and his young sidekick, Bucky Barnes, are fighting in World War II when they encounter a threat like none they've ever seen, a ghost army. The dead of this war and wars past are coming back to life, impervious to bullets, flames, or anything else the Allies can throw at them. The armies rise from the ground in the night and seem to disappear without a trace. How can Cap and Buck fight something that's already dead? And just what does the mysterious Baron Mordo, sitting in his castle atop nearby Wondagore Mountain, have to do with this? Dun, dun, dun. Well, that sounds intriguing. It does. You want to, you know, also as intriguing is the cover. You want to, uh, the cover is illustrated by David Aha, A-J-A. Uh, why don't you take the listeners through it? Yeah, well, it's 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 a pretty cool cover, Rick. Um, very stylistic. Uh, I think uh, David also did. Uh, you remember that was like a Hawkeye. My life is a weapon. It was. Uh, oh yeah, I, I can remember. Mm -hmm. He did the covers for those. At least the first. Those were cool covers too. Yeah, they were really those, great yeah. covers. And so what we have here is uh, we have um, we have Cap in the middle uh, standing, and we can't see his face because it's in shadows, right? Mm -hmm. And he occupies about maybe half of the page. And then at his feet, we see uh, a battle scene. And of course, it's, a bit, it's at a completely different scale as if Cap has been superimposed over this scene. But in the center of that battle scene, we see Cap and Bucky running toward the reader. And uh, we see tanks, we see artilleries, we see howitzers, we see buildings destroyed in the background. So it's a very active battle scene. And, and, and above them, we see uh, a sky. In this case, the sky is uh, it's colored red and uh, we see clouds and we see uh, bombers. I'm not quite sure what kind of bombers those are. I thought at first maybe they were some B-29s, um, but uh, maybe not. And then we see searchlights uh, uh, searching the sky looking for these bombers. So it's it's a really great uh, stylistic cover for mm -hmm. this graphic novel. I, I really like this a lot. 
Yeah, I do too. And it's funny is the uh, the soldiers that are on the battlefield, they look like army men. They do. <laughs> the little army men toys, right? Right, yeah. Ones. Yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting too that the at the bottom of this, uh, on either side where it says illustrated by Brent Schoonover, there are two stars. One is red and the other one is like a grayish blue. Why do you think? What does that signify? Interesting. I'm not sure, right? Is it perhaps, I don't know, the red, the red star is usually representing like Russia, right? Well, it usually is. Yeah. I don't recall any Russians in this book, any Soviets, but mm. uh, yeah, who knows? At least, at least not currently. Good point. Yes. All right. So we open this up and we get through the title page. Then we, the, the next page, um, there's a, there's a picture of Cabin Bucky. And then um, the uh, Alan and Brent um, are, I guess, um, what do you call it when they, when they write uh, a dedication, a dedication. Thank yeah. you. Uh, this one, um, Alan says for, for Greg bunch, thank you for letting me read your comics. And Brent says to Brandon Terrell, who always wanted his name in a Marvel comic. Well, that's one way to do it. Um, so we're going to have, when we have them on the show, we're going to have to ask him about the, that dedication. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Uh, next couple pages, Bob, what are, what are we looking at here? Well, we're looking at some dossiers, Rick. Mm. Yeah. We see a dossier on the left side, the left page for, uh, for Captain America, Steve Rogers. Mm. And on the right, we see the personnel file for James Buchanan Barnes, otherwise known as Bucky. So it's got a couple illustrations, photos look like, uh, you know, they look like Polaroid photos. Uh, of course, they're not Polaroid because they didn't have Polaroids back then, but they are right. photos nonetheless. And then uh, a little bit of the, you know, the name, the alias, the height, the weight, the the, the skill sets, place of mm -hmm. birth, things of that nature. Uh, you know, what's missing here is the year right. they were born. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Those are covered by the photos. You can't, uh, you can't see yeah, them. Very, very clever. But crafty. Uh, all right. And then we turn the page and it's a double page map. Bob, this doesn't look like any map I've ever seen of Europe. Right, but it has some, you know, key locations on it, right? It I mean, does. I mean, you yeah. have you have Hungary. Hungary. I'm hungry myself. Are you? Yeah. Uh, you have Yugoslavia. You have Romania, Bulgaria. I know those. Yeah. I know all four of those. Right. But but nestled in between is Transylvania. Blah 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 blah. Yes. And, uh, and then you also have Latveria. Latveria is a very small country bordering between Hungary, Transylvania, and Yugoslavia. And then there's a little thing there that points out Castle Doom. And then Transylvania points out Castle Dracula and also Castle Mordo. Uh, and then there's uh, another little country uh transia uh but i'm not familiar with these bob i i don't know uh if i yeah. recognize this map right and castle rusoff as well so lots yeah very useful no, map true. very yeah. useful map here uh if you are into uh uh horror number one right uh -huh. with rusoff <clears throat> and, and castle dracula and, and of course castle mordo and wundergore and so yeah, a lot, but this this country of Transia, yeah, I mean it's it's come up a few times in the Marvel mythos, mm -hmm. I believe, but uh, not often visited. 
mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. nearly as often as Latveria. So. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, you know when you when you went blah 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 blah. You know I'm I'm thinking of the Count from uh-huh. Sesame Street. Oh, I was I was thinking of uh, Hotel Transylvania. Oh yeah, that's funny. yeah yeah. <laughs> I don't sound like that. Yes, <laughs> it's Adam Sandler, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but listen, if you want to laugh your ass off, do yourself a favor. Google the Count Sesame Street bleep. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna write that one down. For oh my god, I yeah. giggle my ass off every <laughs> single time. It it takes. I'm just going to tell you right now, it takes a, a clip from some Sesame Street. It's just the count and he's inside his castle and he's just walking around and he's singing a song of how he loves to count. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I love to count uh, in the morning. I love to count in the evening. I love to count, you know, the the candlesticks. I love to count the spiders on the wall. And somebody, all they did. All they did, Bob, was they bleeped every time he said the word count. <laughs> That's all they did. And it's hilarious. It's, it's just this innocent thing. He's just singing. I love to bleep in the morning. I love to bleep in the evening. I love, I love to bleep the spiders on the wall. <laughs> you got to watch it. Oh, it I'll is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. All right. Turn the page. It's chapter one. And what's the title, Bob? Oh, hold on. I got to turn back here. Surrounded. Yes. All right. So we turn the page and it is a double page uh, splash, but it is uh, maybe like a three quarters page splash, right? The top three quarters on both sides. So it's a very gripping image. But underneath on both pages are two blocks that are the same size. So you have four blocks going across. So obviously your eyes go to the huge image. And what is it? It is it is a battle going on in the woods of Transia, World War II, the Eastern Front. And it is Captain America. And he is in a uh, in, in the woods and there's hills and there are German soldiers, and then there are, uh, looks like American soldiers, um, fighting each other. And Cap's running with his shield up. You see Bucky, uh, looking like he's about to throw a knife, and you see a lot of explosions and gunfire and uh, a lot of sound effects, Bob. There certainly are, Rick. Would you like me to, <laughs> would you like me to take my hand at that? Use my hand at that? What, well, you know, Bob, it's, it's not so much as what I want. I think it's what the listeners want. Yeah, yeah. So, good point. So, boom, boom, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Well done, Bob. Thank you. And then uh, you see a uh, a German soldier with his rifle uh, aimed at the side of Captain America, but before he can shoot Cap running. Bucky throws his knife and knocks the gun out of his hand. And then he goes and he tackles him. Cap, we're outnumbered and outgunned. Our orders are to help the British unit hold their position, Bucky. So we hold. And he punches out a soldier. And then a tank comes and it makes a noise, Bob. Clank, clank, clank. Crunch. 
You might want to tell that to the German panzer that just showed up. And we turn the page, and it's a uh, two half-page splashes. And the tank fires upon Cap, but Cap gets in front of Bucky, puts his shield up, and it makes a noise. And then Cap takes his shield. He throws it at the tank. It actually bends the turret. And then it ricochets off a tree. It comes back into his hand. How cool is that? Indeed. Well done, Cap. Yeah. And then uh, Bucky's battling, and he he has a uh, soldier, and he, he disarms him, and then he punches him out. Hey, Cap, check out the fancy neckwear on this guy. And uh, a, a, another soldier comes up behind Cap again. Again, Cap's, Cap's uh, not, not too aware. Yeah. You know, this is a not... younger, un- inexperienced Cap. His head is not on a swivel yet. No. Sturb Americana. And then just, we turn the page, and then just then, somebody tackles that soldier. And who is it tackling him? That would be Dum Dum Dugan. Indeed. Now, who is Dum Dum Dugan, Bob? Well, he is a key member of uh, the Howling Commandos, eventually. Yes. Uh, former circus performer who uh, traveled to uh, to Europe, I think, uh, initially to perform in the circus in England and ended up joining um, the, the Brits initially. Right. As before America uh, joined before the America war. Entered the war. Yeah. So he was like, I need to do something. And he yeah. joined the British army. So he tackles and and takes out the soldier and Cap uh, says, uh, thanks, I owe you one. And then he gives a very poor salute, Bob. Even Mm, I know it's a poor salute. Yeah, that was painful. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you do. Name's Dungan. Dum-dum to my friends. Well, Dum-dum, it looks like we're not going to be around long enough to hear the story behind that nickname. Somebody get on the radio. See if the Allies can send reinforcements. No ground units anywhere nearby. No air support either. And then we see um, the Germans have the American soldiers at a disadvantage, and a lot of them have their hands up. But not Dum Dum and Cap and Bucky. They're still going. This would be a great time for that save you, Omi. I'm running out of ideas here. Buck, you got anything? What now? Clank, clank, clank. And turn the page, and the German soldiers who have all of the Americans with their hands up in the air and guns to their heads, they're hearing lots of noises coming from the tree line. Yep, a lot of clank, 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 crunch. A lot of thumbs, too. Oh yeah, thump 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 chaka chaka. Sounds like the cavalry is coming. Looks like the Germans think so too, and they're hightailing out of there because they hear all that noise coming and they they know they're outgunned. And you see the troops were saved. I don't get it. They told us there weren't any reinforcements nearby. From the sound of it, it's got to be the whole Seventh Army. Here they come. And we turn the page, and what do we see, Bob? It's like Patton himself riding, uh, standing up in the front seat of a uh, trusty old Jeep 
with uh, with a caravan of uh, five ton uh, heavy heavy trucks and other jeeps carrying equipment behind them. But certainly no tanks. No tanks. I don't see a tank in sight. No, just the sounds of tanks. Indeed. And it's really, really loud, too, because Bucky's got his hands over his ears because it's so loud. I don't get it. Is is that it? And then Cap uh, sees the general and he gives him a salute. Is that one any better, Bob? Uh, it's with the wrong arm, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Thanks for the rescue, general. Okay, guys, cut the playback. And he takes off his sunglasses and he hops down. Playback. There's no army, is there? And you're not a real general. Ha, guilty as charged, Captain. Private First Class Jim Morita. But don't worry, I have permission to impersonate an officer. We all do. We're in the United States Ghost Army. The Ghost Army? He turned the page. We're a small tactical deception unit put together by the Army to fool the Germans. It's our job to put on a show and make the enemy think we have more troops in place we don't. We got musicians, painters, fashion designers, stage musicians, even a couple of comic book artists. Fake radio broadcasts, phony vehicles, recordings of armies on the move. We do it all. Anything to keep the Germans shooting at ghosts and not real live Allied soldiers. Bob, have you ever heard of uh, of this before? Uh, I, I have actually, uh, Rick. The uh, the Ghost Army was a real thing uh, during World War II. I can't remember if it was the, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops. So they were actually intended to uh, to create the illusion of force. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, of course, back then uh, the size of the force that you had at your disposal was a big decider on whether you're going to engage with the enemy. So if you could convince the Nazis uh, that you had more tanks than they did, that you had more men that they did, uh, mm -hmm. more resources, you know, logistically speaking, than they did, then the more likely than not, then you could pick the battlefield of your choosing rather than theirs. And so they created exactly what the Lieutenant Jim Morita is saying here. Uh, the, the illusion using you know, blow up tanks and, um, you know, uh, loudspeakers to uh, create that illusion that there were uh, vehicles and, and personnel out there that weren't really on the battlefield. That is so cool. Like I, I uh, until until this time of reading this story, I was not aware of that. Yeah, I mean, they they did planes as well. They had whole airfields built with uh, with wooden airplanes that uh, were not to scale. They were to scale. They weren't full size, but they looked to scale with all everything else, all the equipment around them, so that from aerial reconnaissance, it looked like an actual airfield with aircraft poised to take to the sky. So, really amazing, folks. You know, hmm. and it worked. It worked. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, interesting about, uh, Jim Morita, uh, you know, he's, this is not a new character, like, like exactly like, you know, Dum Dum Dugan, um, Jim Morita first appeared in Sergeant Fury volume one issue 38. So, uh, that was he, his first appearance. And then he only appeared two other times. He appeared in issue 38, as I mentioned, 48 and 57, and then never again. 
so it's interesting that Alan decided to resurrect this character and like, hey, I'm going to take a character, you know, from the Marvel Universe that no one has really, you know, seen since and and use him. So that's yeah. that's kind of cool. I like that. I do, too. I do, too. Yeah. And then uh, so Dum Dum puts his arm around him. Well, you sure saved our bacon. You don't have any real bacon, do you? No, just K-rations. But we're happy to share whatever we've got while we make camp together tonight. So the next page, uh, we cut, and they are making camp, and they have uh, their tents up and have some fires going. And they're sitting around the fire, and it's Dum Dum, and it's Jim, and Cap, and Bucky. And it's just the four of them just having a, a conversation around a, a campfire. And Jim's doodling on some you know, pad there, and they're all kind of eating and drinking. You sound like you're from Boston, Dugan. You're how'd a yank like you end up in the British Army? Boston bored and braised. I was a circus strongman before the war. That's where I got the nickname Dum Dum for the dumbbells I carried around. Crossed the pond to join the British Army when the war started in '39. Didn't want to wait around until the U.S. got its act together. What's the boy's story? He, we sending junior high kids to war now? Bucky didn't take too well to that. Touched a, touched a, yeah, touched a button there. I'm 15. Most of the guys here are only three or four years older than me. Bucky, not, and, and Cap just puts his hand on his shoulder and smiles. Bucky's not like other young men his age. He grew up on an army base, learning how to fight from Green Berets and training in covert ops with the with the SAS. Bucky knows more about stealth and recon than any man here. I guarantee it. And besides, I'm only a couple years younger than Cap. I'm just that, it's just that Cap got the super soldier serum. So now, um, what about you, Morita? Me? I'm from California. I volunteered here because I, I wanted to serve my country and get out of the internment camp that the United States sent me and my family to after Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. I'm sorry. Uh, that isn't right, what we did to Japanese Americans. The United States should be ashamed. Can I see what you're drawing? And what are we looking at here? What is what is Jim drawing? It's uh it's a it's a scene of of the campfire they're all sitting around. So it's got Cap and Bucky and Dum Dum making uh, making showing off his bicep muscles and uh and and Jim himself is in the picture drawing the picture. Interesting. That's aces. Nice pal. Although I think my must muscles are a little bit bigger than that. I love the line quality. You an artist, Captain? I wanted to be. I was in art school before the war. Then my life took a, a very different turn. What, for real? I'm untouchable, I tell you. And so we hear this off panel and we turn the page and we see another campfire and people around it. And uh, there's this tall, lanky dude, with dark hair and a curly mustache. And uh, he's holding a cup and he's just telling, regaling people with his story. In three years of fighting, the Nazis have yet to even once lay a finger on me. Huh. Sir Anthony Baskerville may not have been touched by a Nazi in three years, but I'll lay odds he hasn't touched a German soldier in all that time either. He's so untouchable because he's always at the back of the line where the fists and bullets aren't flying. Hey, what say we tell some ghost stories around the campfire? 
I love ghost stories. Who's going to start us off? And then just then, Jim's eyes get really big. Anybody heard the one about the Nazi soldiers who came back from the dead? Nah, but it sounds good. It's not. It's really not. And he points, and we turn the page, and what do we see, Bob? Oh, my goodness. There are a whole platoon of Nazi soldiers that look like they're deceased because they are uh, levitating off the ground, and they're surrounded by some sort of green glowing field. It looks like a bunch of Nazi corpse ghosts. Wow. And Bucky's like, jeepers creepers. And then these ghosts uh, are showing up around all the campfires and they get up behind one of the one of the guys and grab him. And he, he yells out, Pop. Ah! <laughs> Los schnell, Raj. And then Bucky points out, Cap, that fancy necklace I saw on that shoulder. These are the same Nazis we fought earlier. Come back from the dead. And uh, Dum Dum picks up his, his rifle and starts firing at him, but it's going right through the ghost. Bullets pass right through him. And then Cap throws his shield and ricochets and, and goes through two of them. So does my shield. And then Bucky has his, his you know branch that he picked up to fight, and he just tosses it. Well, this ain't going to work. Cap, what are we going to do? And they're surrounded. Holy cow. Chapter two, Bob. Ghosts. Hang on a second here, ghost. Dugan, behind you. Uh-oh. And Cap then uses his shield in a way I've never seen him use it before. Yeah, right. He takes it and he swooshes it to basically use the the action to like kind of like brush away the ghosts so they dissolve. Yeah, he's and, created an air current, uh, you know, to disperse the ghosts. Yeah, I know, that's great. Smart. Now you owe me one. I kind of thought we were even. Everybody, stay behind me. And he keeps, you know, waving his shield to to wave away the ghosts. They're reforming. Look out. Huh. And then Bucky tackles uh, one of the soldiers to get him out of the way, but then all of a sudden he's surrounded. And Dum Dum says, the kid's in trouble. And Cap stops him. Bucky's got this. Pee Wee Reese is going for second. He slides and he's safe. The crowd goes wild. And he gets underneath a ghost and, and just starts running away. And then... Uh, Oh, uh, what was that uh, that guy that that the British guy who said they never touch me? I'm uh, untouchable. San Sir Anthony Baskerville. Yes. Now, interesting about Anthony Baskerville, he also was a character that was existing prior to this story, mm -hmm. um, but not very much. He only had, as far as I could tell, three appearances prior to this. So he it was introduced in in Strange Tales one thirty five. Uh, which came out in 1965. And then he reappeared in Doctor Strange 50 and 51 back in 1981. And that's it. Uh, so this is, this is the, I guess, the precursor to those stories is seeing a young 
Baskerville. Anyway, so he's uh, hiding behind a tree because that's what he does best. Time for the untouchable. So Anthony Baskerville to exit stage left. And he does, and he, he goes, but he runs into a ghost. He puts his hand up, which dissolves as it touches the ghost. No. And then, um, again, Cap's just swinging away and, and dissolving the ghost. We can't kill these things, Cap. They're already dead. We've got more fans in the truck, but we can't get to them. Cap, they're closing in on from both sides. I could use any helpful suggestions at this point. My grandmother used to tell me stories about Ural spirits who died violent deaths and can't move on to the afterlife until they resolve whatever beef they still have with the real world. Beef like killing all of us? Your grandmother tell you any stories about how to beat them? Running water. Ural can't cross moving water. It's worth a shot. All right, everybody, fall back across the river. Double time. Go, go, go. And sure enough, they all cross the river and the ghosts are on the other side. Everybody make it across. You're the last one. And Marita was right. Those devils don't seem to be following us. But look, what's wrong with them? They're gone. Think they'll come back? I think we're in the clear. Everybody can relax. It's hard enough to beat the Nazis once. If we have to do it twice, we're in trouble. And we didn't even beat them the second time. They just disappeared. Like somebody threw a switch. Yeah. And we cut to the next page, and it is a giant page splash. What is it, Bob? It is a very old-looking castle sitting atop a very rugged uh, rocky peak somewhere in this mountain range um, that we have read about in Trancia. Yes, it is Wondagore. And this is the Wondagore Castle. We turn uh, the next page and it is a three, uh, three quarters page splash. And we see inside the castle uh, a man, uh, black hair and, and, and beard in a green robe. And he's working on a machine and there's all kind of magical uh, disbursements going on around him. And uh, he is looking through some sort of magical portal watching Captain America and the troops. And then coming up behind the man is a an older gentleman. He's bald. He's got a white goatee. And, uh, you know. You know he must be rich, Bob, because uh, he's got a monocle. Oh, that yeah, that's that's a definite giveaway. Plus the fur, the fur around his shoulders. Yeah, the yeah, fur lining shoulders. Uh, yeah, yeah, but he's got some sort of military uniform on too. What a marvelous test run, Baron Mordo! Even Captain America was overwhelmed. And you're sure this ghost machine of yours cannot work in the daytime? No. Only at night, Viscount Kralla, and I still need to amplify its range for it to be truly effective. See just how far it can go. Keep working on it, my grandson. This weapon will turn Nazi losses into gains. It's almost better if soldiers die in battle. These ghost soldiers are far more effective. Yes, the older the dead, the more mindless they become. <laughs> 
but no matter, as long as they fight. I must go. Herr Hitler wants me to use my magic to hold off the Russian winter from Finland all the way to Turkey. And he opens up a portal. But keep tinkering, Mordo. Little things like your toys here will win us the war. And then he steps through the portal and leaves. Little things. Toy. And he's all alone. Or is he? We see another figure there in a robe, a white robe, but it's more of a apparition, wouldn't you say, Bob? It does appear to be some form of, of apparition, as you described it, ghostly at that. Mm -hmm. Now, interesting, um, the, the, uh, the grandfather that he was referencing was Heinrich Crowler. Now, Heinrich Crowler also is a character in the Marvel Universe, but he only had four appearances prior to this one um he was introduced in dr strange back in 1981 in issues 50 and 51 so those would have been uh the same appearances with anthony baskerville so uh they appeared in those two issues and then he he made uh he came back in 1989 in dr strange sorcerer supreme six and seven and then uh the apparition on the next, uh, we have Mordo talking with him. First, I am graced with a visit from my grandfather, the monster, and now by my father, the ghost. My son, what are you playing at? Do you really care for these Nazis you work for? No. Then why on earth do you persist? When are you going to stop this foolishness and avenge my death? My father-in-law, your grandfather, Viscount Crawler, murdered me and stole my magic. You apparently have enough magic left to haunt me as a ghost. And nothing more. I need you to be my arms, my legs, my hands, Carl. I need you to avenge me. Instead, you work with my killer to help him win a war you care nothing about. Crawler is too powerful a mage. I need to be stronger. Then I will kill him. You've been saying the same thing for years. When will you become stronger? How? You'll see. You'll all see. Now, Baron Mordo has been known as a uh, Doctor Strange villain. One would say maybe even arch nemesis. Mm -hmm. uh, he has had uh, well over 100 appearances, and mostly of them are in the pages of, of Doctor Strange stories. So it's interesting that he seems to be the main villain here in a Captain America story. So that's something we're going to have to talk with, uh, with Alan about. It is unexpected. I mean, of all the villains you might have expected in a World War II story, he would not have been on my top 10. So back in the Wondergore Forest, we see the the four main characters, uh, you know, around a jeep with a map and trying to figure out their next plan. There's a village nearby in the shadow of Mount Wondergore. Bucky and I will head there, see if we can find any answers for what's going on. Wish I could go with you, Cap. We were going to stay for the night, but after everything that's happened, we're going to move out and join with the 3rd Infantry Division in Brasov. Yeah, and the Ghost Army is sticking around to watch over the wounded until an allied medical unit gets here. We all have our jobs to do. Call us on the radio if you need us. If we're anywhere close, we'll be there. Same here. Great to meet you, Morita. 
and Cap and Bucky start running off. Hope we see Marita and Dugan again. They're good eggs. Cap, you think we can find whatever's making these ghosts come back to life and stop it? Just the two of us? We have to, Buck. This is the kind of thing you and me were built for. Cut to the next page, and then we see through like a binoculars view. So, you know, uh, Brent had kind of, you know, in, in a very interesting way, showed you the next scene, but he's doing it through the lenses of a binocular. And uh, what are we looking at, Bob? This is uh, looks to the village of Loch Ciudad. A very tiny, like a little hamlet village, you know, in the mountains. Hmm. It is the next morning, so they've been running all night. And I'm very glad you said Loch Sadat. I, I don't think I could have pronounced that. <laughs> I think I probably went and went. So in Loch Kuadat, the next morning, check out Dracula's castle up there. I saw. Right now, I'm more interested in the German armored car company stationed in the village. I count five armored cars and six motorcycle scouts. Eight. Want me to sneak in, take a closer look? Or do you just want to go in swinging? If you take the armored cars, I could take the motorcycles. Maybe, Buck. But there are a lot of civilians down there, too, and we don't want to put any of them in danger. I was thinking there might be another way to get them out of there without a single shot fired. All right, Bob. Chapter three. What's this one called? Magic. I don't think so. I don't think that's what. Uh, no, no, no. Is that no, how it's, it's not pronounced? No, 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 no. M A G I C. Magic. Magic. More, yeah, closer, uh, closer. Ma, 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 magic. There you go. Thank magic. you, Bob. Yes. All right. Uh, and then here we are in Loch Ciudad, and uh, in the in the town, and uh, but you could see the castle, Mordo, in the uh, in the distance. It's uh, kind of like, you know, looming in the background, and you see all these. These people there, but but amongst them are German soldiers. And you see like a tank and you see the motorcycles that Bucky referenced and the German soldiers. And then um, all of a sudden you hear uh, some firing, I think. Right, Bob? Is that what that is? Yeah, it just seems like, yeah. Boom! Schnell, schnell! Retreat, retreat! What is it, Commander? Apato, sir, east of the village. Do we go and join the fight? No. Our orders are to hold this village. Lieutenant, I am picking up an American transmission. They are weaker than they up here and are calling for help. If we join our comrades now, we could crush them. And you hear more noise Boom. in the background. So the, the lieutenant, who was, by the way, mid-shave when he came running out of the house, he wipes off the uh, the shaving cream. I don't know why we're protecting this worthless village anyway. Mount up. Let's go and be heroes for the fatherland. And they, uh, they all, you know, the tank goes and the motorcycles go and they chase off. And uh, then we next page and we see Bucky and cap but but also we see uh jim marina there with his with his crew it worked the crowds fell for those tape battle sounds hook line and sinker your idea to broadcast that fake distress call from the american troops is what really sold it marita 
But what happens when they find don't find a battle? We'll hide a few of these inflatable tanks in the forest between here and there. When those Nazis come back, they'll see an American armored division and turn tail and run. Sweet. Hey, Maria, can I pick one up? Sure. And and sure, sure enough, Bob, they're, they're like inflating life-size tanks. Yeah. So yeah. we turn the page and there's Bucky holding a tank over his head. Get me. I'm Captain America. I'm not quite that strong. And he tosses the 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 inflatable tank. Good luck, Captain. If you call, if you need us again. Oh, it's funny. And Bucky's like flexing his muscle, and he's like, "Oh yeah, super soldier." You know? <laughs> um, Cap. Sheesh, it's a ghost town around here. You'd think they'd be a little more grateful we got rid of the Nazis. Doesn't mean they're Nazi sympathizers, Buck. They're scared. They're not fighters, most of them. They're just trying to survive. And they're worried we're their next conquerors. Yeah, but if they see something wrong, they should stand up to it, no matter what. Well, here comes someone. And who do we see on the next page, Bob? Who's that well, someone? He's an older gentleman. You could say he's uh, somewhat elderly. He's uh, He's got a white beard and, and white hair, so. Yeah, I place him around 70. Yeah, he looks about right. Yeah. But he's he's very fit and spry. He does seem appear. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for driving the Nazis from our village. I am Andre. Andre Maximov. <gasps> Maximov. What? Wonderful. Maximov? I know that I know of a Wanda Maximov. And you think any relation? Yeah, um, perhaps. I don't know. I've never heard of this Andre Maximov. I'm Captain America, and this is Bucky. Mr. Maxinoff, I don't suppose you've had any ghost trouble around these parts lately. Come back to my home, my friends. We may be being watched. And he looks over his shoulder. And we cut to Mordo, who is overseeing uh, the camp and he, through his magic portal. Ghost attacked you? My father lost his leg in the First World War, and it ruined his life, all our lives. Now the same will happen. Thing will happen to me. And it's um, Baskerville. Baskerville with his stub of a hand gone. And oh, we see Mordo with his astral plane mm-hmm. uh, projection going through the portal, and he shows up to talk to Baskerville. Who are you? What are you? A ghost. I'm losing my mind already. I assure you, I am very real. This is my astral form, which I can't, which I cast using magic. Magic I can use to restore your hand, should you wish it. My hand? You can do that? Yes. Think of the ruin your father became. That is a fate I can help you avoid. What would I have to do in return? Simply abandon your British masters and come to my castle to serve me instead. And he smiles. Now back in the home of Andre Maximov, they're sitting around the table, and there's a young girl there, Bob. How, how old would you say she is? 
Well, she looks to be in her, her teenage years. So, you know, maybe about the same age as Bucky. Yeah. And she's dressed as? As a young teenage girl in a well, no, what is she village. wearing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, she's got a blouse. It's not, not Halloween, Bob. All right, <laughs> all right. I, I don't know. I, she's got a you know a white blouse on and a and a blue skirt and and a, and a red kerchief tied around her uh, her hair. Yeah. Long black hair. Long black hair. Yeah. This is my granddaughter, Sophia. It's just the two of us. You're gypsies. And oh, Ooh. Sophia didn't like that. Yeah. Now she has looks angry and she she points at him. No, we are Romani. Gypsy is an insult. When they call us gypsy, they are really saying nomads, beggars, murderers, thieves. We are none of those things. My grandfather is a blacksmith. Moshe has lived all his life in this village and fought for our country in the First World War. And when this is war is over, I will go to the university. Sorry, sorry, I, I didn't know. You fought in the First World War? Yes, and now Sophia and I are fighting again in the resistance. Which is more than the rest of the people in this village are willing to do. Already the Nazis have taken away the Jews of our village, some of them close friends. Moshe and I will be next, and do the other villagers care? No, not until the Nazis come for them, and they will. You're a fighter? Yes. This surprises you? No. I, I can see in your eyes the same look uh, I see in the mirror. But everybody underestimates me, too. Everybody but Cap. You said there have been ghosts? The ghosts. They only come at night. And it's not everyone who's died. It's just the ones who died recently. And in violent or surprising ways. But the older the ghosts the less able it is to communicate. One was the ghost of a villager who died falling off a ladder. His ghost kept trying to climb up onto the roof of his barn. Another drowned in the well, and her ghost spent all night trying to carry water back and forth to her house. The ghosts returned looking to finish what they started, like fighting in a war. At first, the ghost appeared for only a few seconds, then minutes, then the next night for hours. Somebody's practicing. Yeah, but was our run-in with them opening night or just another dress rehearsal? It has to be someone up in the castle. The ghost didn't start appearing until the Nazis came and took it over. We'll have to get in there. There are too many soldiers. You'll get caught, especially looking like that. But... I used to work in the castle before the Nazis came. I know my way around, and there's a back door I can use to get inside. With Bucky. Ooh. Well, a little side glance to the Buckster. Uh, yeah, she gives a side glance. And, oh, he, he, his face just lights up. Agreed. You two shake. Agreed. You two should be able to make it at up there by nightfall. I'll stay here and help Andre protect the village, just in case the Nazis come back. So we cut to the next page, and it's a big, gigantic splash page. What is it, Bob? It is. Uh, it's the road leading to the front gate of Wundergore Castle, and it's guarded by several Nazis. 
mm-hmm. you, we know with uh, armed obviously with uh, with with rifles so um there's a lot of military presence here at, at the Wundergor. yeah including a couple of tanks several motorcycles halt hunt hawk identify zarin say psych put your hands up and identify yourself I'm afraid I can't do that. You see, I have only the one hand. My name is Sir Anthony Baskerville. I believe I am expected. And he goes inside the castle and he sees Mordo. I'm here. You said you could fix my hand. Sit. By the vapors of Valtor, by the demons of Denek, by the flames of the Faltine, I conjure forth your new hand. It is done. Try it. It works. I can feel with it. Pick things up with it. You can do far more than that with it. With that hand, you can have some of my magic within you. How long will it last? As long as I do. If you wish to keep it, Sir Anthony, you would do well to serve me and protect me. Now tell me. Where are your former comrades meeting up with the 3rd Infantry Division? And he opens up a portal to spy. Wow. Baskerville's going to turn traitor? What do you think? Yeah, Yeah, I think probably that's going to be the case. He seems the type, Rick. Oh, boy. All right, so we cut to the next page, and uh, we see Bucky and uh, what's her name? Sophia. Sophia. Yes. Uh, they're climbing up the mountain, and uh, by the way, there's a full moon. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a full moon, and uh, you see the uh, the breath coming out of them, so it must be very very chilly. Yeah, well, up in the mountains, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they're holding hands as they're getting up high, and then it just so happens they don't let go of each other's hands as they stand there yeah. looking into each other's eyes. This um this mountain wonderger has a long history of magic. Legend says a shape-shifting sorcerer made his lair in the caves beneath the mountain. And the more superstitious villagers say the mountains is home to an outlandish things like werewolves and elder gods and talking cows. Even the wood and clay of the mountain is said to have supernatural properties. Sounds exactly like the kind of place the Nazis would build a magical superweapon. Do you and your grandfather practice magic? No. That's another myth about gypsies. But you don't seem too shocked to hear all these stories about magic. Heck, have you seen some of the stuff me and Kappa fought since the war started? Magic ain't nearly the weirdest. The Nazis may be here for the magic or for the uranium. There's lots of rich deposits in these mountains. Uranium? What's that good for? Uranium-235 is the only naturally occurring isotope that can sustain a nuclear fission chain reaction. Nuclear fission produces gamma rays that release huge amounts of energy, energy that could be used to power an entire city or make a powerful bomb. Whoa, how do you know all that? I plan to study chemistry at university. Now, come on and be quiet. We're at the castle. I think uh, Bob... As I was saying that, I mm-hmm. uh, I said that released huge amounts of energy. <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I, 
I, I did. I, I I expressed huge a little too much, didn't I? That's all right. <laughs> she's she's got huge <laughs> tracts of land, huge uranium deposits. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We've seen a strange green glow at night from the windows on the top floor of the castle. Whatever's going on, I bet we'll find it up there. So they make it into the castle through the, the back door. And uh, they're going through a hallway. And uh, there are... Um, what do we see in the hallway, Bob? Well, there, it's lined with uh, various suits of armor. Um, you know, standing uh, suits of armor with uh, shields and swords and halberds and all manner of uh, uh, medieval uh, military wear. And and they're they're just standing there, and uh, Bucky's like, "Someone's coming." There's no one to go, Bucky. We're going to be caught. <sighs> and sure enough, coming around the corner are a bunch of Nazis. <sighs> dun a dun lock. dun. Next chapter, Bob. Chapter four, Bucky. Ooh. And we cut to those German soldiers that I mentioned. They're just walking past those uh, suits of armor. And and Bucky and Sophia were hiding behind them, Bob. Well, that was clever. That was very clever. Yeah. And then they go into a room. And uh, they, then they get from that room out to the window, climb out to the window, go outside of the building, high up on a ledge. That's scary. Mm -hmm. I think we can see my house from here. And then they go inside another window and they're at the top of a very, very large uh, room. And you can see the candelabras that are hanging the chandeliers from the roof or from the ceiling, I should say. Mm -hmm. Next page. And you see Bucky and Sophia crouched looking down. And who are they looking down on? It's uh, it's Mordo and uh, Baskerville. This ghost machine you have created, Baron Mordo. It is incredible. This is what you used against us. Baskerville, that traitor. You know him? Yeah. He used to be one of the good guys. Tonight is the final test. I think I will be able to make the ghost machine go farther than it has ever before. You mean reach all the way to Brasov? No, not farther in space. I've always been able to broadcast the signal that far. I mean, farther back in time. And he pulls a lever. We cut back to the town that Cap's in. Good heavens, Captain. More ghosts. I know these uniforms. These are not Nazis. They are Germans killed in the First World War. Oh, so that's what he, that's what he did. He has more power to go further back in time. Yeah. So that he can collect more ghosts. More ghosts. Wow. Not just Germans either. Russian and Romanian too. Our allies in the First World War. They don't seem to care which side they're on now. Maybe the older the ghost, the, the less he remembers who it once was. Or why it's still angry. Careful, Andre. Don't let the ghost touch you or they'll kill you. They're not, they cannot pass through your shield, at least. Yeah, but I can't protect everyone. And he's tossing the shield, but again, it's just... It's hitting the mark, but it's just going through them. 
and ricocheting back. They're reforming, same as before. The ghosts can't cross running water. We need a creek or a river. But we have no creeks or rivers in the village. And then we'll make one. And he looks at a water tower. Next page, big page splash, full page splash. He And when I say splash. That's clever. Yeah. yeah. He's throwing his shield. He hits the water tower and it makes a noise. Crunch. And then the water comes out. <sighs> Quickly, everyone get on the other side of the running water. That's right. Quickly now. You did it. We're safe. Yeah. Until the tank runs out of water. And sure enough, all of the ghosts are on the other side of this this stream. And they're just waiting their time. Cut to the next page. And we see Mordo watching all this through the portal. That water tower will run dry soon enough. Then we'll really see something. Bucky and Sophia are up there watching. Bucky pulls out his knife. I gotta take that Mordo guy down, or Cap and your grandfather and everybody else in that village is going to be ghosts themselves. No, wait, I have another idea. See those canisters in the corner? Wasserthof is the German word for hydrogen. Hydrogen is incredibly flammable. If we can trap one of those chandeliers on them, I'm on it. And Bucky jumps on a chandelier. And then as he's standing on the chandelier, he pulls out his knife and he starts cutting it. And then the chandelier drops. He holds onto the rope. The chandelier drops on the and in next page, big plate splash, and we get a, a boom. Big explosion. The, the water is running out. Cutting back to the town. The, the ghosts, they're gone. Why did they stop? And Bucky looks up at the castle, which now has a stream of smoke coming from it. And he just smiles and says, Bucky. So we cut back to Bucky. He's hanging on the, the rope. and uh, But he's kind of just hanging there right it's no longer swinging so he he's kind of stuck there and Sophia notices this Bucky hang on and she comes and she swings towards him but uh, Bucky goes ahead and he just drops down and she falls and he's like I've got you and he catches her in his arms oh yes you ever catch anybody like that, Bob? I can't say that I have, Rick. I'm afraid I would drop them. I'm afraid, uh, yeah, I would. I'd throw them my back or something. I'd be like, yeah. oh, I got, oh, I got to sit down. <laughs> I'd be like Bugs Bunny. I'd be like, just at the last second, move to the side or something. <laughs> <clears throat> and then the two of them run off holding hands. Machine, is it destroyed? No, I can fix it. Just find those two and kill them. And then we cut to them running, still holding hands down the hallway. And then they go to that same hall and look, Bob, where the uh, where the knights are. And they decide oh, yeah. to hide again behind the, the suits of armor. And Baskerville's 
chasing after him and he's got that flaming hand because he's now got magic, magic. Yeah. yeah and then he's he's running through but he stops and then he uses his magic to take the uh, armor and toss it up into the air and therefore taking away their hiding space and he yells haha i've got you and that is where we're going to end it here. Wow. We are halfway through. All right. So, Bob, That's what do you good. think? What do you think of the story so far? Hey, this is good stuff, Rick. I enjoy this. This is, uh, you know, I know this is written for a young adult uh, audience, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it's like, like you said, it's got a little something there for everybody. It's got a lot of history in here, right? Learned, learned a couple things about chemistry. That's uh, true. Yeah. Learned some stuff about history. Got some entertainment, some action, some great art. All, all in all, I mean, I'm really enjoying this so far. Yeah, me too. I, 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 you know, it's a fun story, not something, and you know, it, it's nice every once in a while to pick up a story that's not tied down to a ton of continuity and, uh, you know, it's a period piece and, and, and explores not only that period, but it takes very well, it, it takes characters that were already existing and, and then fleshes them out. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and gives them a backstory. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Like these characters didn't exist in this time period previously. Yeah. They were all in current time. Right. In Marvel 616. Yeah. And, you know, Alan decided to explore what were their origins like. And, yeah. you know, we're seeing some Maximoffs here. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Lot to uh, lot to uh, commend uh, this book so far. So we'll see how so- it ends. Yeah, we'll see how it ends next episode. But uh, in the meantime, Bob, do you have uh, – oh, you know what? I go first. Oh, do you? I do. Okay. Do you have a favorite panel, Rick? I do, Bob. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with um, page 79. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, was that an exciting page for you too, Bob? It was. Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Uh, I'm going to go with 79 page uh, panel two. And the reason I do, I just think this is a, an interesting, I think Brent uh, really chose an interesting perspective here. So as I mentioned before, Bucky jumps onto the chandelier with, with all the candles and he's swinging from it and he's holding the rope. But this particular panel is from the top looking down mm-hmm. right so you, it's it's basically coming from from up where the where the rope is tied to the rafters and it's looking down and and you see bucky straddling this and holding it with one hand and getting the knife out to cut it and he's looking up that's a cool perspective i just i i mm-hmm. appreciated what brent was doing there yeah. and uh that that you know for the first half I, i'm gonna go with that's my favorite panel yeah no i think that's a, a good good uh good reasoning there rick i i like that yeah how about you what's your favorite panel in this first you part know of the story? i think i'm gonna go with i think it's on page 12 uh, no, i'm sorry no nope, it's page it's page 21 actually oh uh, eh. uh, yeah and it's it's the scene of of the group of them sitting around the campfire after that first uh mm-hmm. dust up with with the ghosts and you got dugan you got marita he's sketching you got bucky eating caps drinking some coffee out of his canteen cup i like this rick because it brings it, it elicits a lot of memories for me which I panel think. for you 
It's it's the center panel of that page. Oh, okay, the second panel. Okay. Yeah, it's it's the one where them sitting around the campfire mm-hmm. and okay. they're having a discussion. Well, honestly, that. Bob, there's three panels here where they're sitting around the campfire. So, well, fair enough, fair enough. That middle one is is the one that uh, that resonates mm-hmm. with me. It just elicits a lot of memories. I've sat a lot at long campfires like that out in the mm-hmm. field. You know, at the end of a hard day, I still have my canteen cup. Uh, my my tin canteen cup that i would drink mm-hmm. my coffee out of or, or eat, eat my stew and uh so i don't know i just i like i like the depth of this panel i like that you can see all the way back in the background you see the tents you see the other soldiers far in the background sort of meandering around the campsite uh and i like the lighting from from the fire i think it, mm. it throws some shadows it throws some illumination on some faces it's just really well done mm-hmm. very cool i like that how yeah. about uh what's t-shirt worthy for you bob can I pick the cover, Rick? Is you can. Covers allowed? I'm going to go oh. with the cover. Uh, okay. David uh, Aja's cover here. I, I really like this. I think it's, it's stylistic, mm-hmm. um, but I think it would mm-hmm. be look, it'd look really sweet on a, on a t-shirt. Uh, mm-hmm. That cap looming over the battlefield and a minute, the cap and Bucky running toward the, the, the reader and the airplanes in the background and the searchlights and just the color scheme really pops. I think it'd make a great, uh, a great t-shirt. I, but, I I I don't disagree. I think that's pretty cool. All right. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go with page 13, second panel. That's the you know you know I'm a sucker for Cap's shield ricocheting. Mm-hmm. Love seeing Cap's shield. Bing 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 Bing. Love that. That's I'm a sucker oh, for that. Yeah. And and but I've never seen his shield bend a turret of a tank. Right. Right. So yeah. that's cool. I love seeing bend a turret of a tank, hit a tree, ricochet back into his hand. Um, so essentially, I think I'm putting, you know, maybe I'm putting those two panels on there so you can right. get to see the whole thing yeah. on a T-shirt. That'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah, that would be cool. Who doesn't yeah. like a good cap action shot where he's taking on a tank? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, good. What about your time capsule? Uh, I'm going to go with the next page. Next page, page 14, yeah. uh, because that is the first time that Cap and Dum Dum Dugan met. So I'm taking this whole page mm-hmm. and uh, putting that in a time capsule to represent a very important period in history. The first meeting between Cap, Bucky, and Dum Dum Dugan. All right, all right, all right. All that's that sounds fair. How about you? What's going in your time capsule? Well, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the map. You know, there's there's two maps that are shown in this so far. I'm okay. a map. <laughs> it's one of them is, is before we get to the dossiers at the beginning of the story. I believe. Uh-huh, no, uh-huh. it's right after the dossiers, and another one's on page forty-four, and we see the location of Transia. Mm-hmm. It's surrounded by Romania on one side and Transylvania in the north. And then mm-hmm. Yugoslavia, Rick. Yugoslavia was founded in 1918. And of course, it disappeared in 1993. And eventually, by I think around 2000, early 2000s or something, 2002, 2004, became Serbia and Montenegro. And so uh, it had a very, very short existence, this country of Yugoslavia. And it was still relatively young at this time. And so when we see it on the map, it really is a history lesson for a lot of folks, but then mm. the kids who picked this up, who mm-hmm. never lived at a time when Yugoslavia was in existence, 
they may not have even heard of that wonderful vehicle. The, the what was it? The Yugo. Remember that? The little knockoff, like yeah, Ford the Yugo. Yeah, the Yugo. Right. I Wait, the Yugo from... was named after Yugoslavia. Yeah, it came from. I thought it came from Yugoslavia. I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought so. But any case, so it's a, it's a really important history lesson for kids to uh, to to know what happened in Yugoslavia and what how how it came into being after World War One with what mm-hmm. happened in Serbia, but also how it fell apart because it was sort of a uh, a false construction where they jammed a bunch of different ethnic minorities into uh, this pan Slavic country that just could not make it work. There were mm-hmm. too much ethnic hatreds among the different groups. And we mm-hmm. had the Serbian Albanian wars and so on and so forth. So anyway, that's going to be my uh, time capsule. I'm, I'm, I love when uh, authors like Alan Gratz uh, inject a lot of real world history as they have done in this book, because mm-hmm. it gives an opportunity for both kids and adults to Google and dive a little bit deeper into some some lessons that um that they wouldn't normally get from maybe from a comic yeah no that's great no that's I, I, uh i always learn a little something when i listen to you bob oh thank you yeah, you're welcome all right um yeah let's let's revisit the the second half of this story next episode i'm looking forward to that um to see how this all all ends and uh we're we're kind of a little bit on a cliffhanger with not only with Bucky and and Sophia, but also with Cap and and uh, everything else that's going on here. So, and I think there's a little bit more to behind what Mordo has planned. Uh, so that'll be interesting too. That would be in character with him, indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, Bob, as always, it's been fun wrapping Cap with you. Indeed, I can't wait till next week. All right, he's Bob Lucius, I'm Rick Verbonis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast.